Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And uh, very familiar passages. Uh, if you grew up in church, you're very familiar with these. If you're a new Christian, these are, will be exciting times for you to learn about some of these things that, uh, that maybe you don't know like the rest of us grew up. But in this series on lasting impact that we've been in for a few weeks, we're actually, this series, we're gonna, it's going to carry us through the end of May. And as we go through it, we're going to begin after today talking about uh, a little bit about what we're doing in our men's mentoring group about the five love languages. And it's really five ways to influence uh, whatever area of the world that God has called you to. Whatever business area there are, everybody wants to receive love. We may not call it that in the marketplace. We might not call it that outside the doors of this church. You might call it uh, worth, value. Everybody wants to feel valued and loved. And these are ways that we can make an impact because uh, impact for us as we're defining it throughout this series is an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. I've had life-changing, impacting times in my life. You've had uh, impacting times in your life. People will come to me from time to time and they'll tell me something that impacted them that I didn't even know it was impacting them in the moment. You've probably had that happen in your life. Like you said to me one time and you don't even remember that you said that. I had a friend that I would always tell him things and he's like, man, I don't even remember saying that. That must have been the Holy Spirit. And it's like, yeah, you're exactly right. That's why it's so important for us to walk in the influence. That's where influence, remember that series, Superpower, Holy Spirit, that's the source of our influence. It's so important for us to walk in the Spirit at all times because when we do step a little out of line, Holy Spirit, you know, we don't need somebody to come smack some sense in us. Holy Spirit will gently, you know, tug you and get you back into alignment. But here's the deal. How do we make an impact? It's one thing for us to sit here and talk about this for week after week after week after week, months after months after months after months. But like when, when the pavement hits the road, how do we impact our community? How do you and I make an impact? Where we, talk, where we get in this room, and when we're talking about it in this room, it's theory, okay? It's theory, just like practical beginning theory in music or any other uh, classroom, like that's where the philosophy and the theory is happening. But the, you really get into the lab or out in the workforce or in the field, sometimes we call it. Jesus said, go out into the fields because they're white unto harvest. That's where we need to go and be making an impact. And church, I try every Sunday not to get on a soapbox, but I always do. So I'm just, if, if anybody asks you if you have a soapbox preacher, uh, you just have to tell them yes. Uh, now, that really, that's not a good thing because normally soapbox preachers are the ones that get on their little pet subjects and just nail them, nail them, nail them, and they're uh, really kind of legalistic. But here's where I'm, I get passionate, like Teresa was talking. I get 
passionate about discipleship. And when you stand in front of a, a, a family of people year after year after year after year and you do not see growth in people, it can be very disheartening. It can be so disheartening as a leader. Like, you know, as a parent, you get it. You spent your whole life teaching that kid to do right and wrong, and they get up and they go, you know, hog wild crazy. Isn't that disheartening to you as a parent? Don't you feel like a failure as a parent? I'm not saying you are a failure. I'm saying, don't we feel that way? Well, y'all might not, okay? Y'all might not. Let me speak for myself. I do. And I'm like, I have felt like a failure so many times because I spent all of this time pouring in. Well, translate that to whatever area of influence you are. For me, it's a pastor. For you, it might be manager. For you, it might be what a teacher. But, you know, you pour into those students. You pour into those employees. You pour into your family. You pour into your church. But the reality is we all want to know how do we make an impact because if we're not seeing fruit, remember that whole series we, w- we went through on John chapter uh, 15? Like, we were designed to bear fruit. God wants to see fruit in our lives. And so I want to know, man, how do I impact my world? I don't want to just come to church and talk about a lot, a lot of spiritual stuff and then not see that enacted out. So I want to share with you today and moving forward that these are ways that we can truly make an impact, like you and I can make differences in the world. All right, look at this. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, he was traveling through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All right, I want us to go back to that, and I just want to point a few things out. So this is telling us that Jesus in his itinerant ministry where he's going from place to place. Jesus, although he's the good shepherd, he was not a local pastor. He was the great evangelist. He's going out. He's all over uh, Judea. He's all over uh, the, the countryside and in and out of these small towns. And, you know, Jesus, he traveled through. Let's just go through it kind of line by line here. Jesus, he traveled through the towns and villages, I don't know the last mega town you've been in or the last mega village you've been in. Anybody? Because they don't exist. There are no mega towns and there are no mega villages. They're little. They're small. They're out of the way. You know, you ever heard like some of the places where I used to go visit my uh, grand folks and they said, you know, you got to pipe sunshine in, you know, er everything you got to bring in. And it's like, you know, it's a one red light town. Like, literally, there's one red light, stoplight, in the whole town. Like, they're just little podunk-type places. Jesus would go to those places. I'm, I'm telling you the truth, whether y'all like it or not or believe it or not. There are some pastors, there are some preachers, they, they are not going to go for less than 500 uh, folks. They're not going to go less for 1,000 folks. They're not going to go for less than this amount of money. They're not going to go, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, we've, we've, we've at times wanted people to come and they're wanting to know how many people will be there. Like, a lot of times that's a, that, I get it, I get it. 
But man, if you're so big that you've gotten to the point where you won't come for under, I mean, dude, Jesus said where there's two or three. I'm just saying, man, I'm not saying that like, I don't want you to think I'm throwing shade at all these guys. But I'm just saying, if we're going to do ministry like, are we going to do ministry like Jesus or are we going to do ministry like the corporate world? If we're going to do ministry like Jesus, then if they call you and they ask you, and if you are free, if, you're, if there's a slot on your schedule, then, you know, we should be open to going, regardless of how many people are there. But we focus so much on the numbers that, I, I mean, I've had people want to do small groups and lead small groups and... Um, only one person show up to the small group. Oh, great, I got to be with one person for the next six weeks? Well, if that's how many people show up, does it negate that one person needing discipleship? You know what I'm saying? And I've had, I've had leaders want to not do it because, well, we only had one. I'm like, man, Jesus said, I'll leave the whole flock for one. I mean, it, just t- thinking it through, man, I'm just saying we either do it like Jesus or we don't. And so Jesus, he went through all the towns and villages of that area, and he was doing two things here. He was doing two things. This is so important, man. He was teaching in the synagogues, and he was announcing the good news to the kingdom. So it's a twofold. It's, it's, it's a, you know, you got two branches here. He's teaching to people like you and me inside the church, the synagogue at the time. He's, he's doing that. And then he's going out and preaching the gospel. See, man, this is one of my soapboxes right here. We've turned the preaching of, of, in this house to preaching of the gospel, the good news. Oh, come on now. We've turned this place into the preaching of the gospel. Stick with me now. Don't, 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 don't get all caught up in religious mindset and turn me off. This is not where we preach the gospel. Because you've already heard the good news. You sh- if you've been here more than one Sunday, more than one week, more than one month, if you've been here several years, you should already be accustomed to the gospel. Are, are you following me? Like the good news is for out there. So in here, what we do, we come to worship our God and our Father. That's why we can get up here and sing songs like, Jesus, we love you. Imagine there's 90% sinners. Well, we're all sinners to a degree. You know what I'm saying? 90% unfamiliar with Jesus in the house. They can't sing Jesus, we love you. Why? Because they don't. They can't worship him at a level. They can't worship him because they don't worship him. Are you following me? Like this purpose is the synagogue. The purpose of this teaching is different from what we teach out there. And what we've gotten, we've gotten them backwards a lot of times. We'll want to we'll preach the gospel in here to a bunch of people who don't know Jesus. And out there, we'll want to go teach the harder things. Come on, somebody. We'll want to go out there and teach the harder things to people who they can't take that. And so what it looks like to them is hate from the church. You got to preach different. You got to teach different to the different crowds. And Jesus, he knew his crowds. I mean, if you look at him, man, I get chill bumps when I think about this. Jesus, when he was teaching, he taught differently. It was almost like he's mean. 
to the Christian. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm spitting all over everybody. It's almost like he's, he's mean to the believers, the followers of God. And he's just like, whoo, that hurt. As a matter of fact, he didn't mind whipping up on them. He's over there fashioning a whip while he's looking at all the things wrong in the temple. He's literally braiding a whip. I don't know about you, but whip are made to whip. <laughs> They're made to, you know, bring some alignment. Get him. Well, you can't do that outside the church. But we should be able to do it inside the church. Why? Because discipline, the word of God is good for every good thing. Teaching, reproof, correction, admonishment, all right? And so he's going throughout the towns. He'll go anywhere. He's going to the synagogues. He's going, to, he's going outside. He's taking the kingdom, the good news out there. And then it says he healed every kind of disease. Every kind of disease and illness, physical, spiritual, there's all kinds of healing. I'm telling you what, there is a ton of folks in the church that they are physic, uh, or they're spiritually healed. All right, stick with me. They're spiritually healed. In other words, their soul is going to heaven. All right, is everybody following me? And they are so sick, physically and they are so sick emotionally. He went throughout healing all manner of sickness. All, see, it's not okay for us to be spiritually oh, like, I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. We've prayed that prayer of salvation. But then I walk over here in mental sickness or emotional sickness. And if there's, if there's a few words that get on my last nerve, it's trauma and trigger. Trauma and trigger. Oh, Pastor Rife, don't be so insensitive. Listen, I can talk about myself if I want to. You couldn't experience. Come on, look at me. You cannot talk to me about trauma and me say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I've experienced so much trauma, I literally, not joking, I can write a book on trauma. I could write so much about being triggered. Do you understand I'm in conversations all the time and I'm getting triggered? But I don't put the burden of not triggering me on you. You don't know my life story. You don't know where I came from. You don't know what happened to me. I can't put everything on another person. But in our culture today, people want to walk around in their victim mentality and they want every person in the world to know their story. It's impossible, my friend, if you have been triggered, if you have been traumatized, you need healing in that area of your life. I remember when the Lord delivered me from certain triggers. I remember when the Lord delivered me from certain trauma. It's such a liberating feeling, man. I'm telling you, you go throughout life so free when the Lord delivers you from that. Jesus wants us to be free. As a matter of fact, when he says, and if you've been around destiny for a while, you already know this, but when it says Jesus came to save the lost, 
Sozo is the Greek word that means salvation, healing, deliverance, like complete total healing. Complete total healing. Like that's what we're supposed to walk in. Healing in every area of my life. Well, Pastor Rife, do you you standing up? You making some bold statements? I guess you are healing at being uh, 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 you're healed and whole in every aspect of your life. No, I cannot say that. Well, well, doesn't that make it counterproductive? No, it means that He who has begun a good work in me will bring it to completion. That means I'm on a journey. That means I'm constantly growing towards that specific goal that he has, and I will not be perfect. You won't either. None of us will until the day that we see him face to face. But it's a journey, and I always should be seeing some fruit somewhere in my life. All right? And then it says that when he saw the crowds, I want you to do this. I want you to circle the word saw in there. When he saw the crowds, in other words, there's something visual happening. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. Listen, out of all of the emotions that the scripture talks about Jesus Compassion is the one that it talks about the most in the scripture. You see Jesus angry at times, but he was angry and didn't sin. You see Jesus at times he was sad. He cried over Israel and their lack of unity. You see him multiple times where he was moved with grief. When he was at the tomb of his, one of his best friends, Lazarus, he, he was was sad with grief, but compassion is the emotion that is listed most. And it talks about when Jesus saw crowds or when he ministered among the crowds, the one emotion that, that over and over and over throughout the uh, gospels that we see is he had compassion. So let's look at it real quick. So I know nobody cares about the Greek, but this is why the Greek is important. Because if you don't understand the words and the, the roots and all of the, the background, you'll look at compassion from an American English context. You understand the people that we're talking about are foreigners. Like the people in the scripture, Jesus wasn't white. He wasn't black. He wasn't Hispanic. Jesus is a Middle Eastern if you went to Jerusalem and Jesus is walking around, you probably wouldn't be able to, uh, to distinguish him from Palestinian or any, any of those Middle Eastern folks over there, you know. But it's important to know who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and what context that they're writing this under. All right, so splagkaizomai is the Greek word for this. Now, the, this is not a classic Greek word. What does that mean? That, in other words, if we translated this into English, uh, we're, we're just metaphorically speaking, not literal translation. If we're talking about this in English, like um, a few years ago, I, I, it just left me. There was a word that we didn't have in our English language, and we just come up with it. We just make a word up for it. Synergy at one point was not a, a word in the English language. And so we just make up a word, and now we use synergy quite often. Um, 
uh, logging on is a phrase. Like, you know, that wasn't a phrase until the internet was invented. Now, if we, uh, if we say, what's your login? We, you, everybody knows. But that, what, that did not exist you know, 20, 30 years ago or however long it was. That's what was compassion. The Greeks did not have a word for this type of compassion, so they, they create a word for it. And this word means this. It means to have one's innermost parts, the bowels, moved with concern. It's where we get the idea of, dude, that was gut-wrenching. Are you following me? So when Jesus looked upon the people, he had a gut-wrenching feeling. Have you ever just, like, I've experienced this this week, where something was not right in my spirit, and I felt it in my body. And this is where I normally feel it right here. I don't know why, but, well, the Greeks, when they felt this, they're like, uh, that feeling, that feeling, let's call it this. Let's, let's call it splagnizomai. Let's call it that. Let's call it compassion. That when we feel strongly about something, it's, it moves in this part of our body. It's gut-wrenching. And so when, you know, when we talk about compassion, it's a feeling that comes from within us. And this is what it means. It's the caring that stirs one to act in order to help those who suffer. I want you to think about this. When Jesus, when he saw people and his bowels were moved, I know that sounds crazy in our culture. We don't go around saying, man, my bowels were moved with compassion. Like, man, if our bowels are moved, we're looking for the closest bathroom, right? But again, we're not talking about our culture. We're talking about first century Greek culture. And when they say, my bowels were moved with compassion, in other words, I had this gut-wrenching feeling when I saw that. I had so much compassion when I saw that. I had so much care that it stirred me to act in order to help those who I saw suffering. That's what that means. Look, this is what St. Augustine said. What is compassion but a kind of fellow feeling in our hearts for another's misery, which compels us to come to his help by any and every means within our power? That's a mouthful, but think about it. He's just saying, hey, what is compassion? But it's this kind of fellow feeling in our hearts for another's misery. But it compels us to come to his aid, to his help, to his service by every means within our power. That's what compassion is. If we're going to make an impact, every positive impact that you and I make is going to be born out of compassion. I want, to, I want you to think about it. Every positive impact, I'm not talking about negative impact because we can certainly have negative impact and we can, that's a whole nother message. But every positive impact 
that you and I are going to make in life is going to be born out of compassion. It's going to be born out of some things. You're going to see it. You're going to feel it. And then you're going to be compelled to do something about it or walk on by. Say it with me. Every positive impact we make will be born out of compassion. Here are four ways Jesus impacted the areas that he went into. Number one, he looked for needs. He looked for opportunities. Listen, when Jesus fed the 4,000 and then again when he fed the 5,000, those are two separate events, it says that when he saw the crowd, when he saw the crowd, when he saw a need, when he visually looked and said, man, these people are hungry. They've been following us for three days and they haven't had any, anything to eat. When he saw the need, he looked for needs. When he saw the beggar beside the road, all right, when he saw that lady and her little boy, she came to him and said, well, my son's died. And he goes and he, he saw him in the coffin. He's seeing situations like you and I will see situations all day long. We will see situations and we'll look at situations. Jesus was always looking. You'll see when he looked, when he looked when he looked, when he turned around to look, that lady who touched him, he felt virtue go out of his body, but he wanted to know who it was. And he turned around to look, always looking for needs, always looking for opportunities. I'm telling you, if you want to make an impact, then we have to begin to look. I already said that to you in the very first message in this series. Like, man, we've got to be looking for situations. A situation that God may put us in could be right under our nose. Now, here's one thing that you kind of got to balance out because the enemy, uh, he'll use that kind of stuff to play on your mind. Like, I can't fix every need in the world. I can't fix every need in the world. I'm not called to fix every need in the world. If I fixed every need in the world, there'd be none for Butch or Lynn or Shay or Teresa to fix, to be a part of. I just have to fix the ones. I just have to be a part of, and, and fix might be a strong word because I'm not necessarily called to fix the problem, but to aid in the solution. But Jesus, he looked for needs everywhere he went. The second thing is this. Every time when he had these issues that came up and he would see something going on, it says he felt compassion or he was moved, moved with compassion. There was a physical reaction in his body. Man, you can't watch those commercials. Just flip past those real quick. That's in the arms of the angel far You got to turn that baby because you'll be sponsoring 92 dogs over in Romania. You know what I'm saying? Don't be watching that stuff late at night. You know, just flip on through that channel. But he felt compassion whenever he looked. You will know, you will know. I don't help everybody on side of the road standing there with the sign, but I do help some. I don't buy food for everybody. I don't buy food for everybody that asks me for food, but I do buy some. See, it's like I'll, I'll be listening to the Holy Spirit. I'll just be listening to the Holy Spirit. And if I don't hear Holy Spirit saying anything, I'll go to my human wisdom. And I'll go, well, let me just 
kind of size this guy up and see what's going on. And, you know, hey, man, can, can I hold a couple of dollars? What do you need it for? I'm just hungry. Let me come in here and buy you some food. No, man, I just need a couple of dollars. I'll help you. I'll, I'll buy you some food. Man, I just need a couple of dollars. What do you need a couple of dollars for? You need some cigarettes? You need, you need some, you know, beer? What, what is it that you want, man? And all of a sudden, like, they, it, it'll start go, going kind of crazy, all right? If they're straight up honest with me, man, I just, I just need some smokes here, here, here man. But if they're going to get belligerent and all that, I'm like, that's all right, man. God bless you. And I'll, and I'll walk on. But feeling compassion, seeing a situation. The third thing was he spoke the good news. He spoke the good news everywhere he went. And here's the deal. Church, can I, can I use this as a moment to maybe grow you up a little bit? We've got to get we need to put our big boy Christian britches on. Like, inside the walls of this house is where we get into the deeper things of the word. This is where we get into the deeper things of the word. This is not where you should be getting offended by your pastor. Y'all listening to me? This is not the place where you should be getting offended at your pastor. That's those people out there because they don't know. But in this place is where this is where the harder things of the word are taught. Like, for instance, if you got something between you and another brother, you shouldn't be offended if somebody says, hey, y'all need to work that out. Y'all need to work that out. If you can't work it out, one of y'all is going to have to leave. This is the place where it's like you getting too friendly with that little slinky thing that you work with. This is the place where we should be able to say, hey, Miss Slinky Thing ain't your wife. Well, things ain't going good between me and my wife. That's all the more reason why you don't mess with Slinky Thing. Do you understand? This is the place where we should have those and you shouldn't get ticked off at the pastor. This is the place where it's like, hey, you know what? You wear your feelings on your shoulders. Like you're offended at somebody all the time. You can't do that in the house of God. Like this is the place where we should be able to teach those things and us not get mad about it. Our, hey, this is the place. This is the place. And I see heads shaking at me, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you, people don't do it. This is the place where I told people, I don't know how to teach on giving. I don't. You know why? Because teaching on giving is so simple. This is what the Bible says. Your treasure is going to be wherever your heart is. God loves a cheerful giver. It's an offering, an expression to the Lord. Let's give to the Lord. I don't know what else to say. What else do you say about that? Man, let's just love Jesus and give because he's been so good to us. I don't know how to teach on that. 
But this is the place that we should be able to say to our church family, the disciples of Christ in the room, hey, if you're not giving to this house where you receive, it's like you going to the restaurant today and you eating at the Chinese buffet and you get up and leave without paying. Why? Why? Can we not just receive the word of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord? It's because we have this this idea that we've let somebody along the course of our life distort and deform our understanding about what happens in this place. When Jesus went around speaking the good news, he's teaching one way out there to those who don't know him, and he's teaching another totally different syllabus in the synagogue. Are you following me? Is this even making sense to you? Like, when he spoke to the people at the synagogue, very few times uh, do you not see Jesus getting a little irritated some, somewhere. And sometimes he just gets, I'm telling you, y'all couldn't handle Jesus as your pastor. That's, maybe that's why he wasn't a pastor of any local, you know, rabbi of any local synagogue. Because he had, he had come in and be like, man, you brood of vipers. Like, how would, Butch, how would you like it if I walked in one day and I just walked up to you and I said, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm tired of your sourpuss attitude. You need to get over whatever it is. How, how would you feel? Like, dude, he's sitting there and he's saying, you brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. How would you feel if I walked in here and I said, man, y'all all look pretty today, but y'all rank and stank up on the inside. You look like a bunch of dead men's bones in some rotten corpses inside of a coffin. That's not Paul. It's not Peter. Jesus. Like, why? Oh, God, this is so good. Jesus. Peter. God, if you just go back and you look at Peter. And you look at Jesus' relationship. Jesus looks at Peter and he's like, oh, oh, Jesus, I'll never betray you. I'm, I'm down. You and I, we're tight. We're tight. We're tight. Never, you know. And Jesus is like, boy, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster even cries. Not me. Not me. It's like Jesus just talked to him. Just he, would, he even turned around and said, Satan, get behind me. How, how many of those would somebody, you know, I, how, how would y'all be like if there was a female, all right? I'm, I'm just going to use a female. Um, how would you feel if, like, I, I was talking to you and there was something going on, and I, and I said, which? That's what he did to Peter. He's like, Satan? Devil, get behind me. And he wasn't, he wasn't calling Peter, Satan, that spirit that was motivating him. Come on, people, listen to me. Listen to me. Like Christians can be under the influence of demonic presence and force. Totally. Pastors can be. Everyday folks in the church can be. 
leaders can be, the Roman Catholic Pope can be, none of us are without. That's why we're constantly searching our heart to make sure where we are. But when we are talking to people, if we're going to make an impact with people, you're going to have to know how to talk to them. So many times we go outside the walls of this house and we'll be talking to somebody outside the house like they are on the inside of the house and you can't do it. You can't do it. What are you saying, pastor? You got to dumb it down? No, I'm saying you present it in a different way and a different level. You do not teach trigonometry to second graders. It doesn't mean they're not capable of, of getting there, but you don't teach that kind of math, but you do teach them math. How many little balls do we have right here? One, two, 12. We were over at Pastor Wesley's house uh, the other night, and uh, Maverick, he's, uh, he, we're, we're doing the little ball game where you throw it back and forth. You know, it's like one, two, three, four, 16. And it's like, I don't know how he got to 16. It's like, he's missing a lot of numbers there, you know? But you teach and you impact at a level that the people can understand. See, if you do that and you have compassion for somebody that you work with, so somebody that you work with, if you have compassion for them, you will be sizing up. Where are they on the continuum of faith? Where are they? Oh, they're right here. Well, then at the beginning, oh, I can't talk to them about things too deep, you know? Or they've been in it for a long time, but they've been hurt. Oh, now I know where to, I know where to, 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 to pick up and I know where to talk to them about certain things like that. Listen, somebody who's been hurt in, in church, and uh, listen, ain't nobody, to, in, in my opinion, ain't nobody uh, free from that, like, Everybody I know has been hurt somewhere in church. But you do not try to minister to people on the outside who have been hurt in church by starting to, on, the, on the conversation of what they're doing wrong in their life. All right? Are you following me? Like that's the wrong place to start with them. Don't start with them if you see them doing some things that are not Christ-like. Don't start there if you know that they've been hurt. Start with just loving them. And, and accepting them and just maybe trying to understand where they are. Build some rapport with them. Build some relationship with them before you get to any type of correction. So he looked for needs. He felt compassion. He spoke the good news. And then he acted based on the need. Sometimes it was healing people. Sometimes it was... Um, performing miracles. Sometimes it was doing something physical uh, in the natural realm, like feeding all of those folks. So how can we make impacts by doing this stuff that he did? He looked, he felt compassion, he spoke the good news in whatever way they need to receive it, and then he acted. James 1.22 says this, it says, one of my favorite scriptures, it says this, that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. In other words, we can't just keep hearing sermons, church. We can't keep just hearing sermons and not doing anything with it. We can't keep t talking about impact and not doing anything with it. I know you make impact. I know I make impact. I know we, we do have impact. God this year is calling us to a greater impact. 
He's calling us to a different level and a different type of impact. And if you'll remember back at the very beginning of the year, I showed you four areas that I felt like God was calling us to begin to reach out. Souls, the people who are lost. Suffering, the people with uh, you know, dif- different kind of issues like drug addiction or, or, or maybe they're transgender or maybe they're suffering through some kind of identity. But the suffering, all right? Uh, schools and our city. Those four areas where we can make an impact. Because look, if we said today is the last day destiny is going to be in existence. Thank you for coming. We're going to close our doors. We won't be meeting here next week. Destiny is a thing of the past. If that's what we're saying, would anybody care? Would the community, I know some of us would. But would the city know? Would the city care? Like, have we made? That's the thing that I think about. Like, we as a church, see, I plan to be here. I plan to be here for a long time. I plan to be here through every recession that comes. God forbid we have another pandemic, but we'll weather that one just like we weathered the other one. I plan to be here for the next 20 presidential elections, however many we, you know, however long I live. I plan to be through all of those things. I plan to be here through all of that. I'm not going anywhere. What I want to know is through all of that, What is our impact in our region that God has placed us to? All right? I want you to look at Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. All right? You there? Jesus replied with a story. And listen, before I, uh, what he's replying to, one of the Pharisees, this is one of those jokers that should have had his tail whipped. He's coming and he's trying to trap Jesus well, who's my neighbor? Like, you know, who, who is my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself, well, who's my neighbor supposed to be? And Jesus is replying to his question. And he says, there was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Now, he's talking to Jews. So he's saying, one of us was out. We, was, uh, we were out. We got attacked, all right? And then they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Man, can you imagine their simmering now? Their bowels were being moved with anger. Can you imagine somebody saying, well, uh, you know, they took Jim down. Did y'all know they got Jim the other day? They knocked him upside the head, beat him up, you know, all it. Jim's one of us. I'm fixing to call some guys and we're going to go hunting. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's one of us. They did this to one of us. So Jesus is, is saying, hey, this is, this is one of us. Beat him up, stripped him down, let, left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest, well, thank God, here comes the preacher, man. Thank God the preacher comes along. And when he saw, now, oh, this is so good. Listen to the the. Uh, the parallels between Jesus seeing, feeling, having compassion. Look at the parallels between all of these people. 
by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw, he saw a need. When he saw the man lying there, what did he do? He crossed over on the other side. I ain't getting involved with that. He passed him by. Then secondly, a temple assistant, in other words, a Levite. This is the assistant pastor. So Pastor Wesley's coming along now. And he walked over and, dude, this, is, this got a little closer. The priest just saw the guy and he's like, oh, I'm going this way. Pastor, that was me. Pastor Wesley at least had the decency to walk over and look. And he's like, mm, yeah, I ain't getting involved with that. He walked over and he looked and he saw him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan. What? All right. This is who a Samaritan is in 2023. That those thug south side Atlanta crips walked up. Those pierced Tattooed, Portland, Seattle, Pacific Northwest weirdos. Those L.A., Californian, those New Orleans, those crazy New Yorkers, those left-wing. This is who the Samaritan is. In our modern culture, that's who these people would be. The Samaritans were were people, they were, they were um, Israelites who had intermarried with pagan families. So you got mixed religion. They have a temple in their city. They worship what they say God, but they also have pagan gods set up in their temple. Does that sound like church in some places today? Like, we worship God, but we also look so much like the culture. Like, we have a form of godliness, but we deny some of the power. Like, we'll get up and we'll do some things that look religious, but we're not going to have any of that supernatural stuff. Not here, not today. Because it's going to freak the people from the culture out that we brought in. Are you following me? Like, times really hadn't changed a whole lot. He's saying there's a Samaritan. I mean, by the mere mention of the fact that he said Samaritans. Ah, you know, this this would be a Jew. (laughs) And a Samaritan, they would spit over their shoulder. I won't even say, I won't even put that name in my mouth. The mouth of a dog. That's what the Jews referred to the Samaritans. You know this. But Jesus says, here comes that person along. Here comes the multi-pierced, the multi-whatever, the transgender guy, girl, whatever, comes along. And they see it. Is everybody tracking with me? They see. And when that despised Samaritan came along and he saw, all right, the priest saw. The Levites saw, 
And now the Samaritan sees. And then it says he felt compassion. So he saw like Jesus saw. He felt compassion like Jesus saw. And then it said he went over to him and the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey, like he's given up his own transportation and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say, Jesus is asking, now which of these three would you say is a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the Pharisee, the man replied to uh, the one who showed him mercy. Mercy is also compassion. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. The man in the street didn't deserve it. The man in the street didn't deserve to be put up for a few extra days. The man in the, in the, in the street didn't deserve for this guy to take him on as a financial liability and say, hey, man, if it goes above that, when I'm through here the next time, I'm going to take care of his bill. Just wanted to make sure he's all right, gets back on his feet. Now, this is the dreg of society. This is the lowest of the low. The people that we wouldn't even want to sit at a table with. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, who's a... That guy's the neighbor, not the priest, you know, not the church member, not the associate pastor. None of those guys was. It was the very one that we would write off showing compassion. And then this is what Jesus says at the very end. Then Jesus said, yes, you're right. Now go and I want you to circle the word do. Go and do the same. Go and do the same. Go and do, because there is something about making an impact. You will not make an impact. I will not make an impact if we don't do something. Impact is about coming into contact. It's about touching. Every time when you see Jesus, it doesn't say it by word in every instance, but in at least three instances, it uses the word touch. When Jesus saw, he was moved with compassion and he touched the leper. When he saw that the woman's son was dead, he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and spoke for him to come back alive. That's something about coming into contact with things. Jesus saw, he was moved with compassion. He touched things. He did something about it. And so when we look at this, I want you to say this with me. Say it with me. Every positive impact we make will be born out of compassion. Compassion is that feeling inside that moves us to action. Compassion is that feeling inside that moves us to action. If it doesn't move us to action, we don't have true compassion. The priest saw and he felt. The Levite saw and he felt. The Samaritan saw, felt, and acted on it. The only one. And Jesus said, that's your neighbor right there. 
that's the one. That's the one. All right. So how do we enact this? How do we activate this and put it into action? All right. Number one, consider the part of the world you struggle the most to love. All right. And pray for them. Consider the part of the world you struggle most to love and pray for them. Ask God to change your heart towards them. Do you understand what I'm asking when I say that? I don't have any problem loving you people because we're all on the same team. Y'all are sweet. You're all cleaned up. Everybody looks nice. But it's those folks out there that, whatever, what's your people group? What's your people group? You want me to tell you what mine is? It's not so much those people out there. I'm I'm being transparent, so stop judging me, okay? I'm telling you ahead of time, don't judge me. I suffer some with the same thing that Jesus suffered with. It's hard for me to love religious people. I wish it wasn't. I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying it's hard for me. I'm telling you, I can meet a man who is just so far from Jesus and have more compassion on him at the, at, at the convenience store than I can sometimes people inside the church because it's like, man, you've been in the faith for so many years. Like, come on. Why are we, why are we still here? Why are we still changing your spiritual diaper? Like, why are we still on this? You, you understand. I, I'm just being honest with you so you know who I'm praying for this week. I'm like, why are we wasting time on this matter? We sh- what we should be doing is like loading up and going out there. But so many times we can't do that because we're, 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 we're baby taken on the inside of the church. That's, that's where mine is. And so I'm praying, God, help me to, help me to see people who have been in the faith so long that they've lost touch with what the faith, what our mission is all about. Help me love them because they're your sons and daughters too. All right? So that's your job. That's your goal when you leave out of here. That's your goal. I'm going to, y'all going to do it? Do your homework. And then this is the last thing. Create or participate in impact opportunities as a larger community. This morning, I don't think it was by mistake that John uh, Fuentes was asking Shay, and Shay didn't even know about it. Um, see, the pastor's wife don't know everything, you know, uh, about what goes on. I had created a Nextdoor account. That's kind of like one of my, the online neighbor apps. I had created an on-door uh, or next door neighbor or whatever. It's one of those. You're, you're on there because I saw you post something. Um, so I created one for Destiny Church and I just put this out there and I, I just put out there and I said, hey, are there any things in our community where people might need help? I mean, honestly, church, I don't want to go out and give bottles of water at the intersection, you know? Anybody starts walking up to my car at an intersection, I immediately roll my window up because I'm like, I don't know you nut, you know? I don't know if they got a gun or what's going on, you know? 
I don't want to give out bottles of cold water at the intersection with Destiny Church name on it. Because really that's not to help them. It's to get those people to come to our church. That's really the motive of that. Like, what I would love to do is find Miss Susie, who she's 79. And she had a tree fall in her backyard. And she can't pay $800 for somebody to come do that. Like, let's go do it for her. Like, you know, you've got Mr. Robert. You know, he, he's got a broke leg. He's 65 years old. He lives by himself. He can't cut his yard. All his neighbors are, you know, mad at him, contacting the HOA and just irritated. Let us go cut his yard. You know, things like that. What are some things in the community? And so I'm looking, I'm trying to say, hey, I want to be here for our community. And our community is wide. You know, it's like several, it's from here to Somerdale, Robertsdale. You know, there's people living over in Mobile. Like, it's wide. So we've got a lot of area to cover. But I want our church to be a church that, like, we can invest in things like that. Yes, we'll still invest in the Prodigy Pantry and the Women's Clinic and all these different things and our missionaries uh, across seas. But I'm looking for, for these types of activities where we can go make an impact. And the impact is not for us to go and we're going to pray with you and we're going to lead you through the sinner's prayer and we're going to you know, invite you to destiny and our goal is to get you there. If any of that happens, praise God. But it might just that we help them and they know. And so we walk away and they see the good work. You're the light of the world, city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they just see your good works and glorify their fa- your, uh, your Father in heaven. They'll, they'll know that there's a God. They'll know And maybe somebody else gets that other part of the reward. Ours was just helping somebody that needed to be helped. And so when John comes to us today and he's like, hey, I saw this. Is this us? Is somebody, somebody, you know, uh, got our church and trying to be? And I'm like, no, that's really us. That's really us. It's out there so that we can find needs. So if you have needs, and listen, every need that you bring to us, we will not be able to do it. We're a small church. We'll do what we can. But if you know of needs, bring them to us and let us see what we can do to mobilize. Because church, this is not going to be something that Pastor Wesley's going to, you know, Pastor Wesley, you're now in charge of all these things. No, he can't do it. And he shouldn't have to do it. And I can't do it. And I shouldn't have to do it. But John, you could lead a team. And Steve, you could lead a team. And Larry, you could lead a team. And I'm telling you, we could, we could be touching our community in so many ways. And that's just service. And there are other ways that we can do it too. But this is what I mean when I say create or participate in uh, impact opportunities as a larger community.